Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Hi guys, welcome to episode 2 of season 3 of the Shahara Night Live. Okay, by the way, just to let you know, Shahara Night Live is now split into two categories. We have Shahara Revert Stories and Shahara Muslim La. Okay, Shahara Revert Stories is basically a program where we share stories from reverts about how they came to Islam. And Shahara Muslim La is where ordinary Muslims like ourselves, we share our thoughts and feelings based on the topic that we are discussing. It can be anything under the sun, like a uh, typical day, how is a typical day like for us at work, you know, uh, or Muslim, to something uh, philosophical like does nature or nurture form a person's personality. And by the way, you know, this is like a coffee casual discussion and inshallah, you know, we can get everybody engaged and involved in, in the discussion as well. Okay, so in tonight's program on Shahro Muslim La, we'll be discussing about the indivisible oneness concept of monotheism in Islam. Okay, Tawheed, that's called Tawheed in Arabic. But before we begin, as a disclaimer, okay, we like to emphasize again that this is not an Islamic lecture, but ordinary Muslims like us sharing our thoughts and feelings on the topic. And should you require proper understanding of this, please always seek a recognized, approved, accredited Ustad or an Islamic scholar in your local uh, region who is a specialist in the field of study. So we hope that through us sharing, it will inspire you to seek more knowledge and pick your interest to discover and understand more about Islam. Okay, alright, so now let's get the, the show going. Introducing uh, tonight's panelist. Okay, the first person is... Oh, where is Rizi and Brother Bilal? Never mind, it's okay. We'll go on to... <laughs> Basically, we also invited Rizi from Canada. Okay, okay I'll just introduce... Uh, her background a bit until she comes online we'll put her up okay so Rizi is formerly an agnostic Canadian Chinese who reverted to Islam uh, her YouTube channel is Risiology uh, her favorite quote in the hadith that inspires her is Sahih, from Sahih Bukhari that's Hadith 789 and you also can find it on Sahih Muslim Hadith 865 and that is Samiyallah Huliman Hamida and that basically means Allah hears whoever praises him she knows that Allah hears us when we praise Him, you know, when we say Alhamdulillah or praises be to God, uh, Allahu Akbar, uh, God is the greatest, or MashaAllah, you know, when, when we hear it, even in our thoughts, she believes that Allah hears her. So this is what inspires her. Okay, and basically, if you're wondering what a hadith is, basically, it's the saying, actions, practices, and traditions of Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Okay, we also got Brother Bilal here. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam. Okay, wait, hang on. I'm still introducing the panelists. Okay, next, uh, I would like to introduce Brother Iskander. Okay, next on the panelists, we have Brother Iskander. Salam. He's a Sino Dutch. Salam alaikum. Alaikum salam. He's a Sino Dutch from the Netherlands, brought up in a Christian environment before. He remained an atheist. Uh, he also went to a monastery to learn Kung Fu. Okay, so if you want to ask him for Kung Fu tips, maybe you can check. Uh, he came to embrace Islam uh, recently and also his favorite quote in the Quran that inspires him is chapter 16, Surah An-Nal, verse 36. It basically, it means we surely sent a messenger to every community saying, worship Allah and shun false gods. But some of them are guided by Allah while others were destined to stray. So travel throughout the land and see the fate of the deniers. All right, next on the panel list, we have Brother Azhairul. Brother Asyairu, Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. 
Waalaikumsalam. Thank you for having Brother me. Brother Asairu is a Javanese by descent. He is a Singaporean Muslim who works in an F&B establishment. His favorite quote in the Quran that inspires him is chapter 2, verse 55, the Quran Surah Al-Baqarah. That basically means, we will certainly test you with a touch of fear and famine and loss of property, life and crops. Give good news to those who patiently endure. All right, next we have Brother Bilal on the panelist. Bring Brother Bilal. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Walaikum salam. Brother Bilal is formerly a Christian. Okay, uh, he's a French Muslim living in Singapore. He embraced Islam in 2015 because he was touched by the brotherhood and equality among people, regardless of their social status, color, or racial background. He was also deeply moved by the story of Prophet Muhammad Peace and blessings be upon him. He is also married to a beautiful local actress, Nadia Emdi, with two beautiful children and a third one on the way. And his favorite verse, mashallah. You know better his than favorite, that. His favorite verse that inspires him in the Quran is chapter 10, Surah Yunus, verse 65. And that basically means, and let not their speech grieve you. Indeed, honor and power belongs to Allah entirely. He is the all-hearing and all-knowing. Finally, last on the panelist that I would like to introduce to you is brother. Hang on. Put you on the main screen. Okay. Brother M-E-N-J. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, brother. Waalaikumsalam warahmatullahi yeah. wabarakatuh. Wait, uh, brother Bilal, your your I think your breath is on the speaker, so it's like there's a feedback. <laughs> okay, it's okay. better now. Yes, it's much better. Okay, uh, brother M E N J is a Malaysian digital marketer with Javanese by descent. He has his own YouTube channel, also known as the Muslim Apologist. You can see on the name tag there, on the screen. He used to be very secular before becoming a born-again Muslim and he got involved in apologetics. Uh, basically, he wasn't very appreciative of Islam before, but he took it for granted most of the time during his Jahili years, you know, years of ignorance. And he wasn't so interested about religion to talk about it at the time. And now he's back and his favorite verse from the Quran that inspires him is chapter 112, Surah Al-Ikhlas, verse 1 to 4. Brother, would you like to recite that? Okay, okay. So I'll recite it. Okay, hang on. <clears throat> Clearing my throat. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Kul huwallahu ahad. Allahu samad. Lam yalid wa lam yulad wa lam kufwan ahad. Basically, it says that it means say Allah is one and indivisible, the eternal, the absolute. He neither begets nor is begotten, and nothing can be compared to him. Okay, that's the meaning of what he just said. Okay, so now that I've introduced all the panelists, hang on, going back. Um, I'll begin with tonight's program with a few words that inshallah will help us to get in the same headspace, okay? Um, so in Islam, we believe that this universe was cre is created by a powerful, intelligent being who is transcendent. And by that, we mean that God is not like anything in the universe. And the Quranic concept of God does not compromise that in any way. Example, claiming that some creature such as a human being shares the power, the knowledge, or the attributes of God, which is all self a contradictory statement itself. If a created being has knowledge and power or ability of God, then the whole basis on which we build the argument of the existence of God in the first place becomes nullified. So how do we know that God exists? Through what means can we know there's God? Is there a means to know Him? All these questions and more, and the purpose of life, why are we here? What is it all for? What is the reason for our existence? 
There are, of course, all the questions that religion in very different ways try to answer. How do you explain and organize and systemize universe? And the most rational conclusion is that it's created by an organizer or a systemizer. Uh, a human being, regardless of who they are or where they are or what they do, will have this curiosity that he wants to know why he is here. Why, why did we come here and do we have a purpose at all? And if so, what is our purpose? And the only one who can really be able to answer that is none other than the creator himself. If there's a creator, it will be up to him to tell us why we are here, why we are created, and what he expects from us, and what this life is really all about. Allah has shown the people from time of Adam until now, he has shown every single one of us you know, what he wants for, from, from them. And it is a very simple thing, and that is to worship him alone without any partners. In fact, we know in this life to be a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Almighty God. That's why we are born and that's why we die. Because there has to be a beginning and an end for us to be tested on. The next life after this life, no one will ever die again. A bad person or a good person, both are brought back and they will continue to live the next life either in very good shape or, you know, not so good one, depending on how they perform in the test. The Quran tells us that throughout history, God, the Creator, has sent messengers. This is what we all Muslims believe, that throughout history, human history, God has sent uh, and chosen individuals from amongst ourselves to remind human beings of things, um, these things to be that we are discussing tonight, not only about the existence of God, but also about our relationship with Him and about our purpose of life and the reason why God has let things happen to us and what, how are we supposed to deal with all of them and also about the reality of life to come. So this is what we Muslims believe. We believe that God has chosen human beings to convey that message. Today, we see many different religions, but what is the, con is the concept of Tawheed also delivered to every one of them? While in Islam, we see in Surah Al-Ikhlas, uh, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, Kul huwallahu ahad, that is chapter 112, verse 1 of the Quran, it says that, say Allah is the one and only. In Judaism, in Judaism, we say, Shama Israel, Adonai Eloeha, No Adonai Ehad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That you can find in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. And Deuteronomy is also the Old Testament, so it's also from the Torah. And in Christianity, you know, we see it also mentioned that one of the scribes came to Jesus and asked, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. That is from Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 29. In Hinduism, we see, Ikkam Ivaditam, God is one without a second. And there you can find in Chandogya Upanishad, chapter 6, section 2, verse 1. So, forgive me, you know, if I don't pronounce them correctly, but uh, basically what I'm trying to put a point here is that we do see uh, Tawheed, the concept of one God, uh, being present in most religion. And there are many others that we have not discovered. So indeed, in the creation of this uh, heavens and the earth, you know, we can see that Allah is one. So now that I've introduced the, tonight's topic, I hope this is a good segue for all of us to discuss, uh, us Muslims to discuss on the concept of one God, Tawheed. So guys, I think we're done for tonight. I think we can pack up. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're done for tonight? Oh no! I mean, just there's a there's a, a beginning uh, that I wrote yeah. so that inshallah, you know, it can help us to 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 begin. Yeah. So, nice. brother, yeah. 
it's kind of what do you think about the concept of one god do you believe well, in it and you know <laughs> i mean of course but of course know, but i also think thoughts? it's i mean you, you mentioned all these religions right so i think yeah. it's quite um interesting that the concept of absolute unity so there is a one god for all of humanity it, it seems like very exclusive but it actually seems to lay the foundation of uh, islam being a universal religion rather than you know i have my god you have your god and uh, you know uh, you have zeus i have odin you know it's it's kind of weird that this or, or weird it, I, I guess it's uh, planned you know that this unity lays the foundation for universality and that that's that's pretty cool i think okay awesome yeah so by the way this is a casual conversation okay um anyone can just come in to to know based on what iskandar just spoke or what i've just shared if you guys want to share your thoughts on it as well or your own personal takeaway or research that you have done so we, we some of us brought some books that we've read <laughs> and you know so certain things we can also uh discuss so uh, anybody to add to what brother iskandar say or something else yeah, uh, maybe uh, myself. So uh, I think you know this uh, this topic is of uh, extreme importance. As a matter of yeah. fact, a lot of people are still in denial. They know that there is only one God, but they always, you know, bring more than that. Uh, as you know very well, I still remember one of my ustas who, who told me in the past that talking about Tawhid, he he, he did say that. Uh, uh it wouldn't be possible to have more than one because if you have more than one you know it's like husband and wife arguing uh you know it would never be beautified and it, it has to be just one to create that harmony to create that beautification like one master uh planning everything on his own which i think really makes sense because i can totally imagine two entities trying to make a, a perfect world uh there will be a lot of clash so in that sense I think you know Tawid in 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 that kind of concept makes a lot of sense. Uh, we say, mm, yeah. Marshall, I agree with you because there was, you know, one of the questions I asked, uh, and I'll start when I when we start when I went to Darul Akam, was you know how you know there's one God? Why can't you say two or three or four or five? You know, can you give multiple numbers? Um, and the reason he gave me was very simple. He said that, well, you know, if there's a God that created the head, a God that created your hands and a God that created legs, right? Which God is going to say, um, I created the perfect human body. Well, then the God of the head will say, I'm, I'm much better because, you know, I made the human think. Uh, the God of the hands will say, I'm better because I feed the man or something. And the God of the legs may say, I'm, I'm better because I take the man to many places that he wants to go. This is just an anal analogy, by the way. So um, the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, each of these gods will say that they are better than each other based on the powers that they have so wouldn't the rationale of having a one almighty and powerful god that you know create the whole human being is is, is more rational and and you know the concept of it is more logical yeah uh, so to add on to what you said so yeah uh, yeah to add on to what you said yeah brother fiddles um i have this book actually i would like to share with the audience uh it's called uh, Al-Tawhid, Its Implications for Thought and Life, uh, written by uh, Al-Shahid, uh, Dr. Ismail Al-Faruqi. So, um, because you said just now, you were saying that, you know, you went to these Ustas and these Ustas, you were asking these Ustas, why can't there be two gods? Why must there be only one god? And the Ustas gave a very beautiful explanation. So, related to that, this is uh, Dr. Faruqi's take on it. So, if you don't mind, I'll just read a short passage from it, right? Yeah. So, um, Dr. Faruqi says, okay, this is on page 18, okay. Uh, obviously, no commandment is Islam 
would hold without al tawhid the whole religion itself man's obligation to serve god to fulfill his commandments and observe his prohibitions would fall to the ground the moment al tawhid is violated for to violate al tawhid is to doubt that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one and only god but to do so means to assume that other beings may share his divinity this cannot be done without doubting the obligatoriness of allah's commandment for if two or more gods were possible it is logically necessary that one should seek an individual relation with his creation or or his dependents that one should rise above the other in mutual competition such gods would be of no avail to men unless one were to destroy or to subjugate the others for only then could he be the ultimate being the definition of god requires only an ultimate source could stand as the final good the final authority the final principle otherwise the authority of a subservient god of a god with whom there may be other gods would stand always open to question that is why allah says in the quran if in them heaven and earth were there were other gods than allah they would have fallen into chaos nature cannot obey two masters it cannot mm-hmm. operate in orderly manner and be the cosmos it is if there are two or more sources of authority two or more ultimate movers so uh, to summarize what dr faruqi says is basically he's saying that um there cannot be two gods because one will always be in competition with the other one will always try to supersede the other in power and authority so because in order to become god he has to be the supreme authority so if there are two beings who have similar powers then they will be fighting each other until the end of the earth and the whole cosmos will be destroyed due to this fighting so this is basically what the argument is about so just just basically to summarize that so and that is also repeated in the quran okay uh so yeah so um it is definitely logically um uh acceptable that mm-hmm. there can only be one god there cannot be three gods there cannot be two gods there cannot be 3000 gods because if there are mm-hmm. more than one god then the whole world will cease to exist they will be fighting they will be fighting among each other and the whole world will be in chaos yeah ah mashallah i think yeah he put it in a very nice way i think there's a few other uh, people who came up with different reasons also to why is there one god um i mean this is one of the notion that i i myself also like uh, for the reasoning uh, i'm not sure if anyone in the audience themselves have other reasons they they can share we can also say any of our brothers here have uh, a take away from what he shared well, i mean it's logically it's inconsistent if you say that god is all powerful and then there are two of them then one one's all powerfulness necessarily limits the other one's all powerfulness which means they are both not all powerful so it's it's actually a logical problem if you say there are two gods because if they're not all powerful they're not god right so yeah, sure. yeah. so that's why yeah uh, don't mind me yeah, yeah. hello yeah 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 go ahead yeah uh, but coming from a, someone who's been muslim all my life right so i simply look at tauhid as a something created submitting to a creator okay right mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah so uh whenever the creator is looking for guidance looking for help or 
looking for mercy for whatever it may be um you know it helps that there's only one <laughs> source that we are looking to or that mm. we are asking from mm. yeah whenever if, the, if for instance if there is more than one that i would need to ask from i think before even asking that supplication i would have some sort of conflict to question myself like who do i ask for in the first place yeah so uh, yeah by that chain of thought i think uh i'm i kind of glad that i grew up understanding that there was only one creator and submitting to that one creator sort of was very logical mm. yeah yeah i mean even the oneness of god right um when we have one god to refer to right it kind of creates unity as well in a sense that you know we all agree there's one god uh for example you know we we are saying something hey, this is out of the the space like let's say if you call a, a tree a god let's say this example okay then everybody agrees that is the tree you know what i'm saying so in, in the sense the concept of one god will help to unify people versus you have different different trees or different different flowers or what i'm not saying tree is god here by the way if you misunderstand say it as an analogy that if you have an, the idea of one god it's also easy to unify people yeah uh sister Risi, welcome you to the stream um assalamualaikum hi assalamualaikum salam sorry for joining late um i thought no it was worries. actually because right now it's 8 54 a.m in uh-huh. in toronto i'm like oh yeah i still have like five minutes till 9 a.m because i thought it would be like 9 a.m here and it would be 9 oh. a.m there but like 9 p.m there but like daylight saving messed things up and i'm really sorry oh so you are now in daylight saving no wonder yeah. so i also got your time wrong uh, <laughs> uh okay yeah so well yeah brother bilal you have a question is it no no i i i don't have any question actually i'm quite uh impressed by some of the comments uh made by the brothers here uh oh, makes a lot okay. of sense and uh i think uh yeah probably since uh since i'm talking uh i mean okay. referring back to when i was a christian and you know always putting uh, Jesus into perspective or Nabi Isa alayhi salam. Um, I still recall, you know, going to the, the church and look around and finding like all those embellishments all around mm-hmm. and decoration and a lot of things and uh, statues and, and things like that. And then going into a masjid for the first time when I became Walaf. And then it was weird because it was an empty space but surprisingly you know it's the concept of oneness you don't want to have too many things and then when i was in that empty space this is where actually i could really concentrate on one thought focus you know do the prayer into a very quiet environment and then so you see that the 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 concept of tawhid is even more enhanced uh by this Mm -hmm. kind of experience uh Mm -hmm. so i mean alhamdulillah super grateful to be a muslim and um (laughs) I, i yeah i yeah, so those are just some thoughts that were running in my mind just now. Yeah, writing on the same point, you know, since you mentioned about that, can the question now to put to everyone, even the audience and to the panelists, can can God be in, uh, you know, empower one person to be in him 
<laughs> for example. Uh, I mean, I also was previously a, a Christian, a Catholic, right? Um, they believe that you know God, Jesus is God, stuff Allah. But what what they're saying is, you know, God is in in the person form, and then He's also God, right? So, so what about that concept itself? Do 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 you have any thoughts on it? Uh, is this a question to all, or just to Brother Bilal? Yeah, I mean, you, as for everyone. But if you have something to to reply to that, or your thoughts, oh no, you no, can no just, just yeah, yeah. Mm, I'll no, let others uh, uh, reply to that first before I, I interject. Yeah, I mean, okay, okay, just, yeah, yeah. Hey, who wants to reply? Never mind, just what? reply. Just go ahead. No, no one's replying. Okay. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, okay. Let me let me tell you something then. Okay. <laughs> no, yes, I was yes. watching a uh, video uh, by uh, I think the um, East. Uh, I think it was an Orthodox uh, video, like Orthodox Christianity, and they were criticizing Islam. Right? They said, "How can you believe in a God who was not uh, reincarnated into human beings? How can he understand what it is to suffer, to bear, to carry the cross? To uh, he does not know what it is like to be a human." Uh, and this was their argument against Islam, right? So I was like wondering, why, why is that an argument? Like if God knows everything, then he would also know the human experience. At least, uh, I, don't, I don't know why this would be a point that they struggle to, to, to accept. But I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea of, you know, of a man, of a human, of a, of a deity, you know, coming down to earth. Um, to incarnate as a part of creation, as part of a human, this is not a Semitic. Uh, this is not a Semitic understanding of God. If you look at Judaism, even Judaism doesn't have this. Yeah? And uh, Christianity is supposed to derive from their their theology from Jude from 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 Judeo uh, tradition. But <laughs> unfortunately, um, if you look at the history of Christianity. Um, you will see that the reason why this kind of understanding came came into the 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 the, uh, the religion of Christianity as we know now is because of uh, paganistic influences during the uh, Roman Empire. Because uh, when Jesus was um, was rose, was taken to the heavens, yeah, by God, we of course we Muslims believe that he was saved, uh, and also the Christians believe that uh, Jesus ascended to the heavens, right? So uh, in the years after that, uh, there was a lot of chaos in the uh, Roman Empire and uh, there were a lot of persecution uh, against the Christians. So the Christians had to hide their belief. They had to, uh, they had to escape the persecution. So if you look in, into um, the early church, the early Christianity, originally the Christians, they were monotistically uh, very close to Judaism. Okay? They don't have this idea that Jesus was God or that Jesus was incarnated into a man. They believe that Jesus was somehow divine, but not to the point of being God. There were some Christian uh, sects during that time who, which actually believed that Jesus was some sort of archangel. Okay? There were many competing beliefs in early Christianity. But then, uh, of course, um, because they had to hide their persecution, they had to sorry, they had to run away from persecution, so they had to pretend to be another religion, right? So in those days, uh, Mithraism was uh, was very popular in the Roman Empire. Uh, Mithraism is the is the uh, is this religion from Persia where they believe that there's this uh, son of the sun, okay, Sol Invictus, um, in the name of by the name of Mithras, he came down to earth as human. Okay, and he sacrificed. Basically, it's almost similar to Christian theology. So uh, the Christians uh, adopted the beliefs of Mithraism over the centuries. And if we fast forward to the third century, that is when the 
uh, when things come to a head, and then we had the uh, the debate between Athanasius. Athanasius believed that Jesus and God were one and the same, homoousis, and um, against another uh, another uh, bishop by the name of Arius. Arius believed that Jesus was subservient to the Father, but he also believed that Jesus was divine. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't ask me how that works. It's just that's how he believed it, and then. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Athanasius appealed to the uh, Emperor Constantine uh, to you know to side with him in his theology. So the Emperor Constantine he just became a Christian during this time. So he convened a grand council called the Council of Nicaea. This was in 325 AD, mm-hmm. and it was at this council where they actually hammer out the details that uh, Jesus was one and the same with the Father, with God the Father, and that is where the Trinity started to to appear. But the, uh, the Holy Spirit hasn't come into the picture yet. The Holy Spirit came mm-hmm. in much later. Okay, so but but basically, if you look in the just to go back to the topic, if you look in the early Christian Church from the beginnings right to the to this point in history, you can see how uh, Christianity devolved. I call it a devolvement from monotheistic belief to paganism. Okay, and uh, this devolvement from monotheism to paganism is not something new. Or special to Christianity, there were other there are other regions in the world today which were originally monotheistic and became pagan. Uh, for example, Hinduism. Hinduism is also another great example of that. Because if you ask a Hindu whether he believes in many gods, he will say no. He believes in one God. You see, but he believes that God can appear in many forms. Uh, you see, uh, so yeah, so that's uh, just that's how they believe it. Yeah. Yeah, but that's also the same for like the uh, the Arabs during the Jahiliya period, right? I mean, they uh, the father, uh, oh, sorry, the exactly, exactly, exactly. Prophet Ibrahim, you know, he believed in one God, and then the Arabs gradually devolved, right? So I, I think this is very common among all humanity. But uh, how how come you know all these things by heart? This is incredible. yeah. I mean, you, you kind of like know it better than uh, former Christians, like. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm. My channel says it. I'm the Muslim apologist. I study Christianity on my channel. Uh, if you look at my channel, you know why. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sister yeah. Risi, you got anything? You... Yeah. Um. It's it's really interesting, and I'm just kind of like absorbing what everyone is saying. Um. Yeah. Like the way I kind of see, I'm not sure if I said this before, but it's almost like you know, like like uh, for Dallas, like you said, it's like a tree almost and how there's like so many different branches, right? And all the different branches are almost like, in my mind, they're like different religions. And at the root of the tree, it goes back to the single seed, you know, because like all the branches don't come from individual seeds. You know, every small branch is almost like a tree in and of itself. And you can say that every branch kind of like, you know, inshallah leads back to the same seed, right? Like it leads back to the same, yeah. So like, it's, it's kind of like there's so many religions in the world. There's Hinduism, Christianity, everything, and um, other religions will claim that they know God, um, and they say it brings them to God. And maybe Allah has put that, you know, type of like spiritual connection in their hearts with a different religion, so that they can lead back to the seed, the root of Allah. But it is through a different religion, and through that they may get like misled and whatnot. But at the same time, Allah has implemented the mercy into their hearts, which is just another proof of like our single creator doing that, you know, like, mm. mashallah. Yeah, like, I, I just think, yeah, very beautiful say. By the way, you know, we introduced you earlier when you were not around, and you said uh, the verse that inspired you from the hadith, right, is Samiya Allah Hudiman Hamida. Maybe you want to share us why? Why? 
I know it's not not part of the topic or Tauhid, but I mean in the sense, but uh, or maybe you want to share with us your thoughts on that. Okay, so I'm a very relatively new Muslim. I mean, I'm not that new anymore. It's been like a year and a half or maybe two years. I can't count for some reason. But um, as for as for like you know the, the I don't know why we don't why we don't think about we don't reflect about um, this line more like Hamida when we're praying. You know, we say that every time after we pray when we get up, and like it means like Allah hears those who praises Him, right? And if he's hearing of every praise that we give him, you know, every time we just, you know, we sigh and we're just like, alhamdulillah, or like, you know, we think alhamdulillah, or when we're eating, we don't even say bismillah, we just think, oh, bismillah, you know? <laughs> and like, you know, to, to know that Allah hears those who praise him, Allah hears every time we say, we think, oh man, I just saw something weird, like astaghfirullah, let me think that, you know? And like every, every honorable mention, even in our mind, Allah is able to hear. And that means that when we're saying it out loud, he also hears. And so what prevents us from praying more like, and saying these things more, from saying Alhamdulillah more, from, you know, making dhikr even more, being like, SubhanAllah, Alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, using your fingers, SubhanAllah, Alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar. What prevents us? Because he hears, you know, he really hears those who praise him. So I think that's really cool. We need to really reflect on that more, I think. MashaAllah, I think you said well. I mean, in the Quran, it says, right, not a leaf falls in the forest without his knowledge. So everything, you know, uh, is by the will of Allah that it happens, and He has knowledge of all things. Oh, brother Bilal, I thought you were saying something halfway. Yeah, I wanted to relate to something as well. I think we we would all agree that God, you know, if we think about God, the concept of God, there is no limit, and is is the mo- most powerful. So in that sense, then when we talk about, you know putting him, uh, like, let's say, let's talk about Nabi Isa, for example, salam, and, you know, in Christianity, and, uh, you know, he, he has limited himself because he's going to the toilet, he's, he eats, he sleeps, right? And in that sense, do we agree that he can be a god if he has those limitations? So that's the reason why also in Islam we use uh, the 99 names of Allah to describe the attributes, you know, like the, 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 the most powerful, the absolute, the everlasting. You see the weight that I'm talking about? So it's definitely, you know, uh, for me, there was very clear cut when I actually joined Islam that uh, that was making a lot of uh, logic in my mind. Uh, so, and I'm, I guess, you know, you probably heard that from, from your ustas, you know, they always like to use that kind of simple example of limitation uh so yeah I, I, I wanted to share that as well with you guys mashallah i think you say it perfectly yeah. so um so, anything else from the panelists yeah i think um what uh, what sister Rusi touched upon like uh whenever someone praises allah he hears it um, but that also reinforces like the the uh the universe universality of the religion right so um you know i, I think there's a there's a part of the Quran, so Allah says, um, uh, uh, let me remember, in, in, I think it's uh, Surah Ali Imran, the, the third surah, and it says, um, what was it? Um, I, I'm looking it up. <laughs> okay, no, it's, it's uh, uh, oh, oh dear. Um, Yes, the religion with God is Al-Islam, right? And so it's uh, the 29th uh, ayah. 
and um, so so I was wondering because this statement seems like super uh, exclusive. So uh, yeah, uh, only Islam is the true religion, right? So, but I was wondering about the definition of Islam because if if you're talking about Islam as as a means to submit to Allah, then anybody who has received the prophecy or or the message and and listens to it is actually, uh, uh, you know, upon upon God's upon Allah's deen, right? So so when when uh, Sister Rusi talked about uh, how how Buddhism or, or uh, these other religions might have um, a pathway to God. Is, is that kind of what you said, or is it more connection. like yeah, a connection to God? Maybe a previous uh, revelation or a previous, you know. Um, I don't know if this is like co um, against Islam uh, saying this, but um, how how do I put this correctly? <laughs> it's a very a dangerous line I'm walking, I realize. But um, yeah, okay. Let, let me just uh, shut up right now and what do you guys think about this? <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, I think I think I roughly get what you're saying. I mean, it says yeah. that um, when you, you are, Allah gives you the ability to communicate with Him directly, right? And, yeah. and at the same time, He hears everything that you think and say whether it's in your head, in your heart, or whether it's in your speech, uh, everything is being heard or recognized by Allah as what you're thinking and saying. So your intention is very clear to Him. Uh, there's nothing, there's no veil or obstruction yeah. between Him and us. Um, so in that sense, you know, an all-powerful and all-merciful God, you can literally, um, what you say, uh, literally connect with Him. Versus, versus you have a medium, something in between you and God. Um, right. would this this concept itself of monotheistic uh, religion and you know Islam uh, we are given that channel to directly communicate with God without any mediums uh, without any limitations you know the moment God goes into a shape of a human being right then wouldn't that human have its own limitation so you know it, it's a contradiction in itself because if God limits himself then he cannot be all-powerful and almighty at the same time no, you can't say um, you can't say you are you are fire and water at the same time. I hope this analogy kind of makes uh, it clearer. Yeah. But if it doesn't, uh, it does. Does. Mm -hmm. like I, I like what you said just now about the the individual connection with God that we all have, or actually yeah. as believers, what we all strive to achieve, you know. Yeah, we, we are always at different levels of Iman, right? Different levels of faith. Yeah, and uh, but that's, that's the beauty of it. Like, regardless of your level of faith, like uh, Rusi's mentioning of Samuel Kuzman Hamida, like, regardless of where you are in life or where you are in your belief, he is always hearing. So, like, we don't have to be like in a mosque or like facing the Qiblat. Or like even like facing Mecca, for example. But like sometimes just like inciting something inside of her, like, oh, please make it easy for me. Or uh, like, uh, I wish like, uh, you know, like I hope things get better. Even something like this, we hope for someone to hear it. Right? We hope for someone to hear it. We hope and someone to respond. And I think uh, having an all-powerful listener is really, really reassuring. 
Super yeah, that, that, that's that's how I would perceive it, and that's my my biggest conformity, mm-hmm. That that mm-hmm. really makes me wonder that since like um you know Allah hears when we praise Him, and meanwhile other creatures like trees or plants and animals and they're all in constant submission to Allah, even though they are not speaking. When the wind, you know, when, when the trees sway the wind, when you know a grasshopper jumps from you know one one piece of plant to another, they're still in constant worship to Allah. I wonder if like Allah like hears like you know the praises or like you know the quote unquote praises of creatures who who you know who cannot speak or or whatnot. And I've been thinking like right now it's winter. And I noticed that when I go outside, there's no mosquitoes, there's no bugs. Where do the bugs go? And there's no flies, there's no buzzing bees and whatnot. And, you know, there's less birds now also because, you know, they're probably hibernating. And it's it's just insane because, like, where do they go? Like, you know, like, I thought, like, in winter, like, I can't stand the winter just on my own. If I, like, you know, stay outside in winter, like, all winter with no place to go indoors in Canada, you know, I obviously freeze to death. And like, where do these bugs go though? You know, like, how do they come back in the summer? And like, it turns out a lot of them they they hibernate. So they just go like things like as small as a fly. They just they just hibernate, last like months through the entire winter. How can a fly, you know, have more power than me and able to survive like a long, cold, freezing winter? And even a frog, frogs hibernate. You know, their their heartbeat slows down, and like the the sucrose and whatnot in their blood changes so that they're able to actually stay warm and then not like you know um die in the winter they just basically fossilize or mummify themselves you know under like this like pond in the frozen pond under or under some dirt and then they just stay like that when it thaws they just come back out it's just crazy how like time just stops for them but it also doesn't and you know like even if there's that reminds me of the hadith that says like um what is it it's like um like verily those who uh, whom you call besides Allah like you, you can't even make a fly you can't even create a fly something as intricate as a fly if we try to create you know a mechanical mayfly uh, ladybug butterfly or something you know we set it out in like you know to the world okay it, it might be fine for like you know a few days but you know something that small it's gonna like run out of battery it's gonna die from its charge and it can't even consume anything unless we put things into it and like it's, it's it cannot definitely like it won't last the entire winter. It's definitely gonna freeze. It's gonna glitch. It's gonna like not work. So like we don't even have the power to create the intricacies of a fly. So like yeah. like that's just like a magnificence of Allah's power. When we just like if we start wondering where these creatures go, it truly really, like we don't know, you know. Like but Allah knows, and He knows like those who praise Him. And not only that, like He knows the deepest innermost parts of our hearts, and also He knows where everything is at every moment being. Even that weird fly that you saw like 10 years ago that won't leave your room or something. So I think that's like yeah. really interesting. Oh, also, can I add something about like um, idol worshiping? Yeah. Okay, so I was reading um, this book called Stories of the Prophets. And, you know, um, it was talking about, you know, Prophet Nuh, and it was talking about how, um, you know, pro- like a, not prophet, like how idol worshiping began. So um, there's a version uh, narrated by, like, I took some notes and I can just read them out loud. Uh, In the version narrated by Ibn Jarir says, um, these idols were righteous people who had lived in the period between Adam and Noah and um, who had followers who held them as models. After their death, their friends used to emulate them, it says, and said, if we make statues of them, we will be more, it will be more pleasing to us in worship and it will remind us of them. So they built statues of them. And after, you know, they died, like, 
Italy's crept into their minds saying, your forefathers used to worship these statues and um, through that worship, they got rain and blessing. So you should worship them as well. And, um, you know, when Noah came to the people, they were like, we're never going to leave our um, gods such as uh, Wadan, nor Suwa, nor Yaguth or something, nor Yauk. And it's like a bunch of these names of uh, different people. And it describes that, but where do these names come from? How do they just make up these gods like here and there? Well, they were real people that once existed. You know, the god, their own like idolatry, like um, god Wadan was basically a righteous man who was loved by his entire community. But when he died, you know, they withdrew to his grave in the land of Babylonia and they were overwhelmed with sadness, right? And when Iblis saw this sorrow, Iblis disguised himself as a form of a man saying, you know, I've seen your sorrow because of Wadan's death, but how about you guys make a statue of him so that he is remembered forever? And people are like, okay, yeah, sure, sounds good. And then, you know, Iblis also told them, how about we put this statue in every one of your homes so he is always watching over you guys? And then people were like, yeah, okay. And so then everyone had this statue of this man in their house. And even though Wadan or something was not a prophet, he was not a god, he was just like a good average person. People just took him and then worshipped him and then you know when the kids see this they see their parents worshiping these idols um they also start worshiping the idols because when you're a kid you see what your like mom and dad do like you just follow and then what happens is like you know the original people they may have like you know only worshiped uh, these idols out of respect for their friend that passed away and they're like we miss you so much so like whatnot and then the kid who has no connection to the friend that their parents had um will just see will just continue to respect this idol for no reason because like oh our parents did it and you know it, it worked out for them so we're gonna do it too and then when they have kids now they're so disconnected from who even these people are they're like who is this guy they're like we don't know but like our great grandparents did it and then it just passed on generationally until no one knows why these idols are being worshipped but you know they just know well our great 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 parents did it so it's our culture now to worship this idol even though it does not root from anywhere other than the fact that they just simply like don't know why and they just want to cling on to some type of hope that should be diverted uh, should be um given to allah instead of like to these idols yeah mm -hmm. well, there's actually yeah sorry sorry yeah i think that your story is really i mean the story that you just shared is really beautiful i mean it really opens up the topic or so further uh yeah brother kind of you were going to say something no, uh, it just reminded me of. Uh, do, do you guys know about this a Chinese Muslim explorer Chen He? Oh uh, yeah, I heard uh, his name. Yeah, because he's like very popular in uh, Southeast Asia because he allegedly he was um, because he was a Muslim he brought uh, Islam to parts of Southeast Asia, right? But but the but the strange thing is that um, some people were left behind the Chinese communities or other people and they started building temples to him. Oh. And then they started worshiping him. So this is this is like exactly what Rusi was talking about, right? But I think it's just so ironic that this guy who brought Islam and then people start worshiping him. This is insane, but yeah, people I mean, will yeah. be people. Yeah. Talking to, about to, him, to, I, to I mean, some... Oh, go, go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah, but no, you no, I was saying, talking about him uh, was uh, was quite sudden actually to see that. Uh, I'm very fascinated by, by Islam in, in China, all the history. It's very, very interesting. Many people don't know mm -hmm. about it. And the thing is that when you read about them and when you go to museums, they sadly don't really mention that those guys were Muslims. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There is rarely any mention. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah. it's really about us 
uh, we, we have to share that message as well because people need to know about it. Uh, I think going back to uh, what Sister Rishi uh, talked about, I think this is really spot on. And that's great for this session, especially for people who are not really, they need to get the basics right. Uh, yeah. I, I believe, you know, it's also about uh, human nature where you see when people are comfortable to play in front of something that they visualize, right? It gives them a better focus. I know that I know that for a fact. Remember, I was Christian, and you know when I was praying to Jesus, you know, he got a statue in front of me, and you know I talked to him, you know, and uh, I. That's the reason why, again, as I mentioned earlier, when I became a Muslim, it felt quite uh, bizarre because there was nothing in front of me. So I was like, how how am I going to have a dialogue right now? So <laughs> I was still very much in that mindset. Uh, mm -hmm. But this is what I've learned. Uh, and I think, uh, yeah, sadly, you know, it's still uh, happening, especially in many mm -hmm. countries where there is a authoritative uh, type of regime where you see a lot of, uh, you know, statues about their leaders. Uh, it's kind of a worship in a way. And it will stay there for quite some time because people generation after generation just follow. They don't even ponder to ask question, are we doing the right thing? I think uh, nowadays, you know, we live in an era where people are a bit dormant. They will follow what people in the past have done. But when you ask them, why do you do this? Why do you do that? Especially for us, Mualaf, we always question. Sometimes it can be a bit annoying. And people will tell you, bro, my father used to be doing that, so I, I just followed. But <laughs> is that really the right way? Maybe yeah, not, this, right? this this actually reminds me of a passage from the Quran where, you know, uh, you know Allah says, uh, I don't remember the verse number, but uh, Allah says, uh, when you ask them why, why they do this, then they will reply. The pagans will reply, this is something that our forefathers have done. Why are you telling us? Uh, that this is wrong because our forefathers have done this so this is actually related to what you've said because people i think this is a human tendency to just follow what has been practiced before without knowing the reasons behind it behind it uh, it may be a good thing if you are in tawhid but if you're not well um i think you're going to be in the load of hot soup right so i think um so i think it's about going back to the fitrah understanding what god is actually yeah it's, it's actually about finding your path to to god i think yeah. personally yes you know I, it's my personal yeah. opinion yeah mashallah i think beautifully said uh, when you talk about fitra right and also from what all the panelists have just shared right um you, you notice that i also talk about the purpose of life the meaning of life in the earlier part of this stream um basically you know what we all can do is find deeply in within ourselves and ask ourselves you know what is our purpose of life eventually will lead us to finding who god is right and if you think about it this way you know all of us um have limitations as a human being what we can see um is limited right you can't see past 180 degrees in fact i think you know the range of sight is much shorter than 180 um you know even your taste uh, certain flavors you can't taste hearing also certain decibels you can't hear or animals can pick up better sounds than us um so everything that we have we possess is limited right but if yeah. you look at the universe something that's much you know greater than all of us and in terms of size as well you know is expanding constantly and if you think that god the creator of all things created all this right even the universe and everything how can we with limited you know uh features be able to understand uh fully god in that sense like how can you limit god into its a human being when we ourselves are you know limited in that extent 
I hope I make sense here. Um, but what I'm trying to say is also right. You know, look at the you look at the universe. It it looks like a mess in your human eye, but when we start to take a big microscope or no microscope, maybe a big uh, way to look at the entire universe, right? You see that it's all systematically organized. Um, the way that you know the Earth is you know orbiting around the Sun, it's all yeah. in specific uh, measurements so that you will not heat up the earth too much if it gets too close to the sun or yeah. too far from the sun and it starts to freeze up right so everything has been designed in perfection right um, but if we use our humanly eyes to, to look at it we might think it's a mess <laughs> um, so what i'm trying to say is we have very limited way of understanding god yeah um, but god himself is far greater than all that so uh, by putting him into a form of cre creation, we are in fact limiting the powers of God so that we can try to understand him. Um, but God is far greater than that. Yeah, just just yeah. want to add on to that point. I mean, that's like also the core of the statement, like, uh, La ilaha illallah, right? So that it starts with, there's no God except what is God. So even our attempts to label him and to describe him and to, uh, to define him are, uh, don't encapsulate him, right? Um, uh, by the way, I, I have this. Uh, I had this burning question about um, Tawhid, right? So we 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 recognize as Muslims, we uh, recognize his oneness, but that's not enough, right? I don't. I don't think. I mean, for example, uh, the Shaitan also recognizes his oneness, right? Because he knows him, but still, um, he will get punished, and you know, because he's the Shaitan. But um, so um, when we, as Muslims, we recognize his oneness, but we do things that uh, prove that we don't recognize his oneness, how, how do you think that we should um, approach these these uh, uh, how do you call it? these traps, these dangers, right? For example, if we if we if we ascribe um, powers uh, to objects that are uh, from Allah, for example, a, a charm or a talisman. Um, you know, how, how do we protect ourselves against... I mean, I guess this is kind of a complicated question, but I, I was wondering what you guys thought about this. Mm. Anybody? To Iskandar's question? Uh, yeah. uh, but Iskandar, are you referring to magic, dark magic, using talismans, you know? Yeah, or maybe trusting in the doctor instead of Allah. Maybe things like that. Oh, um, well, it involves black, if it involves black magic, well, um, because you see, yeah. um, there is the seen world and the unseen world. You, there's not everything which a doctor can do, okay? Um, yeah, yeah. So, let's say if you get, you know, this, uh, you got see here, right? you, got, you got black magic, and black magic is a real thing, okay? Especially in this part of yeah. the world, Nusantara, I think, I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of us believe this, okay? Um, if there is, of course, uh, we can, of course, refer to the prophetic way of, you know, resolving uh, uh, black magic. Basically, you need to read the three kuls, kul uh, kul uh, kul and kul sorry, the kul bin nas. These three, these three uh, surahs, and um, that this is what the uh, Jibril taught the prophet when he was uh, cursed with black magic from a 
convert if i'm not mistaken it was a jewish uh, witch uh, she mm-hmm. he was cursed with it he's he's just a human okay um it does not affect you know some you know some of these christians that i've come across before the polemical ones when they read this story they try to say oh you see your prophet got bewitched by someone he's not a true prophet because he can get bewitched easily then i will reply to that would be because he's human he's not god he's not divine so of course uh, god would test him with this but he got cured easily okay because um jibril came down to him and taught him to recite these surahs and and um and he was cured of this disease it basically is not it's about knots i think if i'm not mistaken the 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 witchcraft involved tying of knots or something like that so yeah, yeah. each time the prophet read recited the uh the, the surah the knot unraveled until it was there were 14 knots if i'm not mistaken according to the sirah yeah. so he read the surah and it, it the knots were untangled yeah and he was cured of this uh of this witchcraft so uh, basically the quran is a healing and uh, and a divine we believe of course we, we muslims believe that of course all of us believe here believe that the quran is divine from god so it has divine properties so of course it is uh it cures us spiritually and physically both both worlds yeah but how do we separate uh, the the divine from the profane i mean what's the definition of right right uh it's gonna don't mind me like giving my thought because uh i think your we we the the fact that we want to always look for a higher power we can easily associate that or you know suddenly change direction to something or an object right yeah so that that's where so like sometimes we wonder like uh sometimes we don't even realize that we're doing it you know like sometimes uh like going late for work and then suddenly the bus arrives on time or early and you're so thankful for the bus for coming but in the yeah. biggest of things you know <laughs> in the biggest yeah. of things it's not the bus that you should be thankful for right it should be exactly. his plans for yeah. allowing that to happen right so i think yeah. like uh we in these situations yeah it, it can't it can't help yeah we can't help to 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 thank items to thank people or to thank like uh, isolated situations i think mm-hmm. it's okay to be thankful for all of this or for for things to for when things are helpful in general could be mm-hmm. people could be plans but i think at the end of the day like i think sometimes that's why for me uh the five times a day prayer yeah you know yeah when when we go into submission when we give our thanks like yeah i would once in a while recall for that part of the day what happened right what right. i would be thankful for much uh, for example like uh well I, well i was so glad that you know my favorite food was at lunch today <laughs> or like uh-huh. like i'm so glad that work ended on time or work ended early you know when i got back and right. i think yeah so once in a while i take this break in the day to associate it back to him right and right. i think that sets our target back on the right path i guess yeah and, uh, brother it's kind of just to add on to that uh, i mean uh, <laughs> probably in a even more simplistic way i think because for example i wear rings uh, yeah. right and 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 some uh, as you know you know they, they have properties when when you study it now the thing is you always need to think about you know the, uh, where where does, it, does that come from you know who created that well it's allah who created that right so right. does the power come from the ring if whatsoever the properties are no not at all is actually allah giving you always his grace to 
you know, anything comes from him at the end of the day. That's right. all full stop. Because you don't want to engage into uh, Shirik, of course. That's a very uh, dangerous exercise. <laughs> it's exactly, a big yeah. question. I think a lot of people get lost. Uh, and uh, yeah. yeah, so just always go back to the, the core, you know. Yeah. yeah, so we have to always ask ourselves a question further. Like, for example, the, the chef who cooked the good food, right? You want to thank the chef, but you don't worship the chef, right? I mean, you worship... Probably you praise the chef, but we won't worship the chef. Yeah, I said, wow, the chef cooked that very nice, you know, nasi lemak power or something, right? But you also don't worship the nasi lemak, I mean... Yeah, obviously not. Yeah, obviously not. Yeah, obviously not. Yeah. Yeah, I worship you, then I eat you. Yeah. <laughs> because because the nasi lemak is a creation; it's not the creator. Yeah, so we have to define yeah. right. it. So right. I guess yeah. as identifying what is a creation versus a creator. Yes. A creator has no Correct. beginnings and has no end. Right. Correct. Creator has no beginning. If you have, if there's a beginning for a creator, you'll be born, and then there's a death date. Then then you will not be. If you have, if you have a birthday, you have a death day. Right. So. Yeah. So a creator cannot have a birthday nor yes. a death day because he has no beginning and no end. Yeah, he's, he's since the beginning of time he's there and since the end, and at the end of time he will also be there. So so there's no create uh, creation there's a difference between a creation and a creator. Yeah. Well, yeah. any any more things uh the panelists would like to add? We've hit the one hour mark. Oh so short one hour. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> not, sh- not sure what to add to be honest but i'm just i'm just enjoying the company right now <laughs> it's great to be here i mean uh, okay, let's see the 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 live uh comments okay there are some here um let me see okay hmm. oh vision perceive okay somebody from kiko atik Vision perceives him not, but he perceives all vision, and he is the subtle, the aware. Quran chapter six verse one to three. Right. So yep. There's uh, adding on to the points that we have raised up. Oh, the last comment is interesting. How do you know that a creator does not have a beginning or end? Is it because you yeah. can read the, read this in a book, or you can prove that claim with evidence? No, it's actually we can prove it with logic. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, brother. But, yeah. I believe this is a, a a good question. Yeah. No, yeah, but but you can prove it with logic, right? So because we know that this universe was uh, has a beginning and an end, and um, we know that nothing, something cannot come from nothing. Um, so, you know, the the thing that it came from cannot have the same rules as the thing that uh, that it created, right? Yeah. So it's it's it it would be illogical to assume that. Uh, that the universe was created by something else that was created. So whatever the universe was uh, originated from must have no beginning and must have no end because it has to necessarily operate by different rules than creation itself. And I think that kind of explains itself, but okay. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, I can add on a bit more, right? As yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, uh, how does the creator down here? Okay, logically, practically, I mean, like, if you were to see it in this way, right, if you see the definition of a creator, um, I mean, if you were to use a humanistic way of looking at it, right, the creator creates things, while the creation is what is created. So everything has an expiry date for for the creation. But, you know, the, the creator itself is 
almighty wouldn't have an expiry date. Yeah. I hope that kind of adds, adds on to your point, but it's kind of... <laughs> I mean, yeah, you cannot... You can, zero yeah. cannot be one unless you have a plus one, right? You know, you know what I'm saying? Even the mathematical way of understanding it. Um, yeah. If you're, if you're one, there's always a plus or there's a minus. But if you are zero, if you multiply anything by zero, it's going to be zero. And zero will always be zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, yeah. But um, I think talking about zero is just... Is, is difficult, right? Because to yeah. to Vedic religions, like zero is is the ultimate truth instead of God. So I think it, we walk a very dangerous line of you know. Uh, oh, okay. I don't. I just trying to associate, yeah, like God by this world's law of physics. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. that's a dangerous yeah. path. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it's like this: you cannot you cannot define God by by logic by logic of man i mean of course you can perceive yeah. god by by the rules of by certain by a certain level of logic yes but we cannot go beyond a certain level we have limitations because we oh. have as humans we have limitations we cannot we cannot yeah. understand everything you see so okay, i um, think i think yeah. this comment is very good this answer a creator cannot have a creator logically then god will have another god which created it it is an infinite loop the very definition is that god cannot be created that kind of makes a yeah, very yeah. good sense. I mean, like, if you have a creator that created the creator, then that will be a creation by definition. Yeah. The creator will not exist as a creator by a creation. So basically, I think basically what the commenter means is that God, the name God, calling something God, I mean, the God, by definition, is that he cannot be cannot be created. He's uncreated. If he's yeah. created, then exactly. he cannot be God, right? I think yeah. that's what he means. Yeah. 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 And as right. to how that happened, I think, yeah, okay, we, we maybe don't know the details, but axiomatically, I think we can prove that. Uh, oh, know, he replied, thanks for responding to my question. Most welcome, brother. Inshallah, we hope that it kind of answers your question. <laughs> we yeah. hope we did a good job at it, but you know, always seek a religious teacher who probably can explain this better than all of us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Read the Quran and understand it. Keep on learning the Quran and you'll find all the answers in it. Okay. Thank you for the good advice, Rin Honey. Yep. All right. So if the stream have no more questions and if there's no other questions from our panelists, we will sum up tonight's uh, topic. Do you have anything you want to add? I mean, feel free. I'm hungry. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I can uh, sum up tonight with uh, Ayatul Kursi. I think that sure. is the the core of uh, you know everything that we understand about God is within yep. this part in the yep. Quran. Yeah. Uh, and it goes like this: Auzubillahi minashaytanirrajim, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Allahu la ilaha illa huwa al-hayyul qayyum la ta'khuzuhu sinatu wa la nawm lahu ma fis samawati wa ma fil ard man zalladhi yashfa'u indahu illa bi'ithni ya'lamu ma bayna aydihim wa ma khalfahum wa la yuhituna bi shay'in min ilmihi illa bima sha'a wasi'a kursiyuhu samawati wal ard 
wala yauluhu ifzuhuma wa huwal aliyul azim that basically means allah there is no god worthy of worship except him the ever living the all sustaining neither drowsiness nor sleep overtakes him to him belongs whatever is in the heavens and whatever is on earth who could possibly intercede with him without his permission he fully knows what is ahead of them and what is behind them but no one can grasp any of his knowledge except what he wills to reveal he sits and compasses the heavens and the earth and the preservation of both does not tire him for he is the most high the greatest yep that's uh, ayatul kursi and inshallah we hope that tonight's session benefited all of you and you are inspired to you know find more about islam understand more about islam uh, through the right channels like you know the going to a ustad or you know a islamic scholar or you know the convert center even you can read more about it inshallah um and we hope to see you again in the next episode uh, next episode will be in two weeks time again we take a break every intermittent as every week um and it will be a reverse story inshallah we hope to see all of you again do check out the brother uh, m sorry uh, the muslim apologies okay his channel uh, risi also risiology they both yep. have uh, youtube channels yeah check out their their yeah. content as well i believe they have a lot of uh, insightful ones um and to everyone we would like to wish all of you assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh thanks for tuning in assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh wa alaikum assalam warahmatullahi